Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Football Show. Coming up as the Green Lions prepare to roar back into action this weekend, we'll check in on their last-minute pre-season preparations. We'll also look back at the weekend's FNB Prio League action as Rovers down north and Velret get their first win of the campaign. And the spectre of GFC returning hasn't been the only issue hanging over local football in recent weeks. The fallout from the sanctions against Manza rumbles on. We'll speak to their now former secretary, Rob Thompson, about the situation and just where it leaves the island game. I'm Tony Kerr. Alongside me today is Rob Batiste. Hello, hello. Rob, good to see you. Um, we'll come on to GFC and the Premier League in a bit, but I think we've got to start with this situation at Manza. Um, we're going to hear from Rob Thompson in a moment, who's spoken very honestly to us. Just give us a sense of, of where this situation is and, and a bit of an overview of how we've got here. Where we are? Who knows? It's <laughs> a simple answer to that one, because the relevant bodies are staying stum on this, um, even though we understand full well that the the process um, relating to the initial sanctions have now ended um, they've been cleared both um, Manza and Chris Tardiff on the initial sanctions we now hear that um, further sanctions are being brought against Manza and potentially Chris Tardiff but we don't know that um, we're waiting to hear um, on um, being brought forward and um, the GFA will now hear that. Um, so another process is about to begin. In the meantime, as you will hear from Rob Thompson, um, we um, have a very disgruntled volunteer who has had enough and is going to be walking away from the game, which is a great shame. Absolutely. And before we hear from Rob Thompson, Rob, just give us a reminder of exactly what was levelled against Manzo and Chris Tardiff back in the summer. Well, it appears that um, the Guernsey Football League management who run the local game um, took action against um, the two, the club and the individual, on the back of a complaint brought forward by a club which believed to be Rovers um, about... um, um, tapping up of players basically and um, and inducements for players to sign for Manza um, then in time um, both Manza and Chris Tardiff have appealed um, and that's rumbled on the appeal was heard eventually and then there was silence for the uh, best part of three weeks and now we hear via Rob Thompson exactly what has happened um, which is um, the fact that they say the um, the GFLM were wrong to throw the, the rule book at them in the first place um, but it now seems that even though we've had that admission from the GFA um, that um, GFLM are going to have another crack at Manza by um, sanctions via a new set of rules another set of rules I should say which, to be honest, um, I've never heard of. <laughs> well, let's hear from Rob Thompson now, who, as I say, uh, is no longer the secretary of Manza. It's a club he's put a lot of, um, let's say, blood, sweat and tears, a lot of effort into over, over the last few months, and particularly against the backdrop, isn't it, this whole thing, this summer of, of the difficulty that club's faced even just to get on the pitch, find the right uh, players, the right personnel, find a new home, all of that stuff. Anyway, we spoke to him earlier and began by asking him just to outline the situation as he sees it right now. So no longer connected with the club, very unfortunately. Um, something that, that I've done for a good year or so now and obviously working alongside Mark Romwell, just trying to, to do as much as I can really to ensure that the club 
sort of continues to survive and, and then thrive. But that's it. So that happened over the weekend and all, as you can probably guess, in reaction to this ongoing um, complaint, this ongoing saga that we've had with, with the GFLM for the best part of three months now. So can you give some background to that? Because um, I gather there is now some sort of conclusion or to a degree there's been some conclusion of the ori- original um, complaint. Yeah, so in conclusion in a fashion, and that's, to be honest, that's why I've taken the decision that I've taken because it's been the best part of three months since, go back to the 30th of June when we were, the club was advised of a complaint that had been made, which the GFLM rightly and understandably had a process to deal with but pretty much since then that that process and that that journey that we've gone through has just been nothing short of appalling to be honest um it went through an appeals process an appeals process that we had to go through without being furnished with the information to support the complaint that had been made so no evidence nothing to corroborate it no explanation repeated requests for clarity um, primarily in order to build an appeal, which were rejected continually. Um, the GFLM hid behind process and rules that subsequently were proven to be not fit for purpose. So extremely frustrating and very demanding and um, draining, to be honest. So it ultimately led to an appeal to the GFA, who convened an appeals board. Eventually, um, after much consideration, that appeals board found in our favour. So the three charges or sanctions and subsequent penalties that the GFLM put to Manza were then dismissed. So that happened two weeks ago, the GFA wrote to confirm that the GFLM had effectively misinterpreted the rules and therefore the fine and the points deduction and so on were considered to, to effectively be quashed. The GFLM had a couple of weeks to reply to that and they wrote over the weekend to say that they wouldn't be pursuing those matters any further. However, they then decided to instigate a separate, fresh complaint against the club against a completely different set of rules, but broadly speaking, along the same lines. And to be honest, based on the previous three months, the process, the the whole, everything that came with it, I've simply not got the energy the desire, the fight any longer to, to, to just go through that again. I've no doubt whatsoever that that I could win a further appeal um, in whatever substance that would look like because I know what happened and what we did and what we didn't do. Um, but I'm just not willing. I've got a family, I've got a job, I've got other commitments, as you know, Rob. And it's a voluntary thing that you do just to try and get a show on the road for the benefit of, of other people, ultimately. That's what I do. That's what I do successfully in cricket and that's what I tried to do in football. And I've just not got that fight left any longer for this with these people, to be honest. You you said that you were aware two weeks ago that you'd been cleared of all this. Um, Is there any reason why you didn't sort of go public and sort of trumpeting the fact that you'd been cleared of everything? To be honest, it it wasn't really something to to trumpet. it had gone on so long and been so so poorly dealt with and dragged out that it didn't really feel much like a win, to be honest. It was more relief, if that makes sense. Um, the GFLM also had a a right within that letter and that response from the GFA, a right to not appeal as such, but but 
you felt like, and especially given their conduct previously, this 14-day period they had to respond to that appeal verdict, who knows what may or may not have happened. So I it just didn't really feel that that was appropriate. Um, it is for me now at this stage, having stepped down as secretary on the back of, whilst that verdict was accepted by the GFA, to just embark on a fresh, potentially new process of, of a similar length of time just just doesn't isn't something that, that I that I would relish at all. So yeah, it, it was it was more relief. It had gone on so long. Um there were so many lengthy periods of of nothing. Um, you know, dragging heels and 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 just kicking things down the road that it just went on on and on and on. The, I mean the only reason that that we issued a statement way back in the in the initial place was because the GFLM did. So they served notice of the complaint and, and told us we were guilty and gave us penalties and punishments and immediately announced those publicly without giving us any rights at that point to have had an appeals process. So the statement that I made at that point was purely reactionary in order to clarify a couple of things and also to provide some missing detail that the GFLM's statement left out. So we could have done the whole thing behind closed doors. We could have reached this point behind closed doors if if we hadn't have issued something way back at, at the start of the process so and now you've stepped away do you expect whoever it is now Mark Romerall whoever you know involved in Manzo to, to contest this fresh set of charges I would like to think so on the basis that that it's that the work has been broadly done um, I don't know however I know that me stepping away leaves Mark on his own entirely and we've clearly got on field issues that that need to be that need Mark's time and attention equally so who knows who knows what may well happen here that if, if there are if there are potential fines you know obviously the GFLM tried to fine us initially um, that was hanging over us as a, as a big for us as a club that was a significant amount of money that would have put our future in jeopardy um, and there's there's obviously other implications as well so Mark's got enough on his plate. I genuinely worry who will take it on um, because clearly it's not going away. I, I honestly don't know, Tony. Are you um, you're obviously critical of the GFLM on the way they've handled this? Um, on the GFA, are, we, are you happy with the way they've handled it? The, GF, the message from the GFA throughout has, has simply been just appeal. Um, yeah, I, I was trying regularly to get substance from the GFLM in relation to the complaint and the accusations and failed... Um, there's this bizarre thing where I would have needed to have asked all my questions within seven days of the initial handing of the complaint. Well, when I received the email advising that a complaint had been made, I was asked to provide some information to support it, which I did. It took me a couple of days to do that because it took me by surprise. Um, I didn't know the process or understand fully the process that, that we were about to embark on. The GFLM then took six days to reply to my initial response, by which point more than seven days had passed, which then basically eradicated my right to ask any further questions. So we went through the whole process without knowing exactly what we'd been accused of, what any there was, we weren't presented with any evidence. We basically missed that window by not asking for this information within the first seven days way back from the 30th of June. So it, it made things very difficult and the, the message from the GFA throughout was just constantly, here's, here's an appeals process, here's an appeals process. 
So I had to make a decision whether or not to go through with that on the basis of not knowing what we'd done or, or really what we'd been accused of, but eventually made that decision to do so. Unfortunately, did because that, that appeal was successful. Um, so not heavily critical of, of the GFA as such. Um, clearly, we've got the outcome that, that we wanted via going to them but certainly the GFLM. Where does it leave Ireland football in that sense where you've got people like yourself who you know, give up a lot of time to, to essentially make it happen and that you're sort of subject to this kind of, this kind of treatment, I guess, and the, the sort of extended pressure and, and everything that comes with it? Well, in this instance, it leaves the sport without what I would regard myself to be a, a willing and dedicated volunteer. So those are not... You know, there's not millions of those on this island. Um, I've done that for many years in, in cricket and felt felt that I could do the same in, in football. Um, and I was doing. Um, so that's that's gone. Um, I've, I've got absolutely no desires to just run off and go and work with somebody else. Mark's a, a, a very good personal friend and a, and a work colleague. And that's, that's how we, we kind of got to doing it in the first place. So the club has lost that and, and local football has. I dare say that that those that be aren't particularly bothered about that. That's certainly been very apparent throughout the process, that that's, that's not really something that anybody has any particular regard for. Um, but I think, it's, I think it's quite sad. And I think certainly the public reaction since, you know, milling around the, the sport and, and everybody asking questions and the response has almost been unanimous. When you, when you really tell people, provide people with those, those missing pieces of the puzzle that, that haven't been in the public domain... Everyone's just just completely exasperated as as we have been throughout. Well, that was Rob Thompson, former secretary of Manza, speaking to me and Rob a little earlier on. Um, yeah, clearly he's pretty disheartened by the whole situation, to say the least. Rob, um, what did you make of what he had to say and and where the situation uh, has taken Ireland football right now? Well, Rob is a very astute administrator. Um, he. Um, studied the rule book very hard he um, successfully defended Manza's case and um, but feels that you know he spent so much time and energy on this that he just can't carry on any longer even though he feels he would probably would be successful in another appeal I just think the whole whole situation is very very sad uh, for Guernsey football it's needless and um, puts the island game and the club game in a poor light, to be honest. And the administration and the care of local clubs in a poor light. I don't... I really am very saddened by the whole whole affair. Um, yes, it seems um, Manza may well have overstepped the mark in how they went about trying to get some new players for the current season, but there were very extenuating circumstances with the delay to the end of last season, a very, very short time frame to go um, to go um, look, looking for some new players for the, for the current campaign and, and secure their future. But I just think, you know, the whole thing may well have been handled so, so much better with a few quiet words... Um, from the authorities to the relevant people and saying, listen, we don't really like what we're hearing. Can you perhaps pull back or even retract your um, what you've been trying to do? 
in terms of getting some new players. And Manza are due to be playing their first home game of the season on Saturday. Um, yeah, that'll, there'll be a, a big cloud still hanging over that. Yeah, um, it was going to be a great day of celebration. Now it's um, it's, it's just a, another date in the history of their club, um, which they are they're determined to continue. Um, they, they, although they are going to lose some players to GFC this weekend, they still believe that they have got enough players to continue, and um, and and to be honest, have been seem to be more, even more determined than ever that they will carry on. Um, I think they feel harshly treated. That there's even been a vendetta against them, and it's easy to see why they may really think that. Um, as I say, I just think the whole thing has been poorly handled. From, from the first moment um, because approaching players is part and parcel of the game it always happens always will we all know of and heard of instances of people being having inducements to go play for particular clubs it's a fact there's no point hiding around it it's a fact that's happened over the years um, and it will always go on and um so I think this has been a total overreaction from the authorities and I'm, I'm really sad that we've, you know, lost another really good official because I know Rob from cricket um, very well and he has done a magnificent job at Griffins and he was doing an excellent job at Manza in very difficult circumstances. And understandably, the bloke's had enough and who wouldn't? Yeah, and while his involvement in this situation is over for now, uh, certainly the saga isn't, is it? There's, there's going to be plenty more to come out. Well, one would expect so. But as I said, um, even though we know the process of the first set of sanctions is now complete, that date, the, the, the whole process, including a possible appeal um, by the GFLM towards the GFA, um, that's now gone. That finished on Monday. So the process is complete, but we are hearing nothing. We are hearing nothing from anyone. GFLM are refusing to say anything. And as I said, GFA are keeping tight-lipped. So, your guess is as, my, <laughs> as good as mine, Tony. Well, we'll wait and see. Um, let's leave it there for now. And uh, when we come back, uh, we'll have some more positive stuff. The return of Guernsey FC and a, a look back at the weekend's pre league action. Right, well, let's turn our attention to matters elsewhere now. Um, we're going to have a full GFC season preview uh, to come on this podcast feed, so look out for that. But let's just touch on what happened at the weekend because Tony Vance managed to get um, his side out for a hastily arranged friendly up at Blanche Pierre Lane against St. Martins. Rob, just talk us through what happened. Who was on the pitch, I guess? Well, Ross Allen was on the pitch because he bagged another hat trick, which is no great surprise. Um... Of course, St Martins was a club he was being linked with earlier, well, about a year ago when there was no GFC to look forward to at that stage. Um, he didn't play for them in the end, but he was up at Blanche Pierre Lane last Sunday. I said, scored his three goals, would have had four, but missed a penalty. I believe um, Jason Martin made a superb save to deny him that occasion. Um, it was a strong um, GFC side. Tom Strawbridge had played in full 90 minutes the day before for. Um, for Rovers and very heroically as well. He had a terrific game in that, on, that, on that occasion. Um, we had Jordan Kelly in goal because, of course, we've got no Callum Stanton this season. He's tied to a contract in Dubai. So there's some goalkeeping question marks at GFC, I think, which will 
continue for perhaps for a while. That needs to be sorted. Who will get the gloves? Will it be Jordan? Will it be Seb Shepherd? Will it be Josh Addison or somebody else? We just don't know. And, and encouraging to see a, you know, a couple of players involved. Uh, Carl Smith that we haven't seen for a few years. Um, clearly someone who's, you know, who's really impressed in the, in the pre-own. Yeah, I think it's no secret that Tony Vance would have liked to see Carl Smith commit to GFCs quite some time ago, but he never quite has. He's played in and out, as have one or two others. Tom Martin we saw on, on Sunday, he played a short while. He's another who's obviously got the ability to play at that level. And that's the thing, you know, Tony has been very loyal in the past to players who have actually put the commitment in, who he can rely upon. And that's why we see somebody like Matt Loring was there. Matt has told me that he is fully committed to GFC again. I also hear that Dave Real is likely to, likely to commit to playing for, to, uh, for the Green Lions, even though he is obviously nearer probably 40 than he is 30. Um, Ryan Zico Black, bless him. Ryan's past 40. He was there. He came on as a sub on Saturday, uh, Sunday, I should say. Um, will he get much pitch time? Um, you wouldn't expect he does get too much pitch time, but it just he is one of those players who have always been committed to playing at this level and putting as much into the game as as they as he possibly could i still think they probably do need a little bit of bolstering ahead of the season um and obviously we are quite reliant or very reliant on ross banging in the goals and um i think um we do need a fit charlton govar we need a fully committed and fit kyle smith and um hopefully the new league will suit us yeah, and they're due to go to Sutton Common Rovers um, for their first league game of the season on Saturday. I suppose just hope this fuel shortage doesn't derail them at the last moment. I know well, quite a few games have been lost this yeah, week. Yeah, that, 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 that has been the case, but I spoke to Mark Tichet just a few moments ago. Mark's been on the phone to the coach company this morning. Absolutely no problem with them. Their coaches chocker with petrol or diesel, whatever it is, and... Um, they will be picking um, GFC up at the airport and taking them to the ground. Um, I believe the situation is likely to be of ease anyway by the weekend. Yeah, let's hope so. As I say, plenty more to come on GFC um, as they get ready for the new season. So keep an eye out for that. Let's turn our attention just finally, Rob, to the Premier League and, and what happened at the weekend. Plenty of goals. Uh, Max Simpson-Cohen scored twice uh, as Rovers won 3-2 at Northfield, while Velrep got up and running uh, with a hefty 6-2 victory over Alderney. Um, should we start at North, Rob? Uh, big win for Kevin Giddy's side. It was indeed. I mean, they really were struggling to get a half-decent team out. And um, although Finn Whitmore and James Grundy ended up playing, um, they certainly weren't in the equation up to 24 hours beforehand. Finn was due to be back in the UK. Um, but when he saw that the Rovers um, were in such dire straits in terms of selection, he agreed to put his um, departure back 24 hours. And then he um, committed to playing for an hour before he jumped on his push bike, headed off out the ground and presumably went home, get his kit and then headed down to the harbour to catch a, 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 new, a new booking he had on the, um, on the, on the fast foray to the UK. Um, James Grundy had been suffering all week with ribs and wasn't expected to play, but he also declared himself very late on, which was a boost for Kevin, who... Um, who was who'd had a tough week because I think he had been really very upset and whole and shaken by the the um, the accident to their colleague Connor Bays, who's in Southampton, and um, they were really you know you could see there was a real passion about the Rovers' performance, 
Um, and it had they had too much for, for North in that respect. I mean, um, North, you would have strongly favoured to win this, but they just didn't put the didn't put the, the required level of effort in, I think. Rovers overran them generally in midfield and um, where they basically it was out, a question of outnumbering them more than anything. And um, fair play to George Clayton. Um, I, you know, George has been in and out or on the fringes of the Rovers team for a while now. And um, to be honest, I, he hadn't shown too much in those previous performances. But here, getting 90 minutes, he was absolutely superb. He, and he was still going at the end. He was the fittest player on the park by quite by, by a, a country mile. He really put in a stint, as did James Grundy alongside him. The other player who impressed me was um, young Charlie Platt on the right-hand side. Um, scored the Rovers' first goal and looks quite a player. Um, I'm not sure if he's a right-sided midfield player, um, but he's got a nice touch and he finds space and um, a bit of promise there. And, and Tom Strawbridge was quite masterful at the back with um, Toby Oliverodi and Adam Bullock had a terrific gaming goal. Um, North, on another day, might want to nick something. But um, to be honest, I think they should look at themselves and think... Why did we lose this? And I think a lot of it was down to not quite putting the shift in that they might, they should have done. And as for Velrec, uh, six goals for them against Alderney, their first win of the season, their first points of the season. Yeah, that was a remarkable result. I mean, it was tight till the very quite late on, two-two, and one thought, you know, um, would Alderney go away to um, go on and actually nick that first win? Uh, <laughs> But no, they shot themselves in the foot, rather, getting that sending off. Two sin bins, and I'm told it got a bit um, bit excitable in the second half, and um, and Valrec took um, advantage of that. Um, so, you know, um, two good goals from Seb Skillen. It's good to see him back playing in local, local football, um, as opposed to just, you know, being a fringe player with GFC, because I think he's, you know, he's got a lot to offer the local game. And... Um, and if he plays more, I tend to think he might be a, a stronger contender for a starting spot for GFC. Because the bloke's got talent, quite clearly got talent. Um, yeah, um, it was good to see the Wreck get something because, they, you know, they, they did show well, show well at the start of the season. They, you know, had a few problems in the last couple of weeks. Um, but, um, you know, they, when, they, when, they, when they get their full side or close to their full side, then they're no mugs. Well, we've got a full card of pre-league action this weekend to go alongside Guernsey FC's return. Uh, North hosts Bells on Friday night. And then on Saturday, it's Manza against Rovers. Sylvans uh, take on Alderney and Rec hosts St. Martin. Right, well, let's leave it there, Rob. Thanks very much. Um, we'll be back on Thursday with another general sport podcast uh, looking ahead to the return of Guernsey Raiders to Footstone this weekend. So uh, do keep an ear out for that. We'll be back with another football show uh, next week and that GFC special. So watch out for that. Cheers. Cheers.